Welcome to episode 61 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Gary. And today we're going to be talking about Charlie Chaplin's Monsieur Verdoux from 1947, which received just one nomination at the 20th Academy Awards for Best Original Screenplay. And that's Mr. Chaplin who wrote it. Um, on Oscar Sunday, it is very rare for us to uh, do films from the same director. Uh, we, we typically try to spread the wealth. Now, we've done two Peter Weir films, Dead Poets Society and The Truman Show. Uh, we plan on covering some other uh, big-time directors that we have covered, guys like Tarantino and you know Hitchcock and Paul Thomas Anderson, people that we both you know really enjoy. Spike Lee. We'll definitely be doing more movies of those guys at some point, but Charlie Chaplin enters that, that realm today. Uh, we did The Great Dictator, I believe it was episode five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and at that time, we were picking films together. We, we, st- we still do, but we both like to kind of pick episodes on our own, like, hey, I want to do this. At the beginning, you know, we did Pulp Fiction. Uh, that was just a decision you and I <laughs> made very comfortably together. Uh, and, you know, we did In the Bedroom. Uh, we did Rocky. Uh, we did uh, Spike Lee. Why can't I think of the name of it? Uh, Five Bloods. Yeah, Defy Bloods that came out last, you know, like a year ago. Um, and then, you know, we did this. We did In the Bedroom, then we did this. Uh, you pushed for that to happen. We did a Great Dictator, Charlie Chaplin. So that we, we've been here before talking about him. Uh, I'm definitely more well-versed in his work now than I was then. I hadn't seen anything, you know, at that time. And I started with a Great Dictator. <laughs> Uh, just a, a wild film, super amazing, super controversial, just kind of a, a piece of art that if you like movies, you just got to see it, you know? And I finally got to check that off my list and I really liked it, responded to it really well. And I'm happy to say that this time with Monster Overdue, I think I almost like this movie more. So I'm, I'm very, very happy with where I'm at with Charlie Chaplin's work. But I know that you are a huge, huge fan. And I, I, I want to know with Monsieur Verdoux specifically, when was the first time you watched this? What was, what was your response to it the first time you saw it? Because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a Chaplin virgin here. You know, I'm really trying to just open the curtain a little bit and see what's going on with, you know, him, all of his, his shorts. You know, I watched The Pilgrim, Payday, uh, The Rink, all for the first time, just so I could have more stuff to talk about with this episode and more shit in my brain just to understand what he's doing. But for you... I know he holds a special place in your heart. And I, I want to know when you watched Verdue, how did you uh, respond to it? Well, uh, as you said, I've been a pretty much a lifelong fan of Charlie Chaplin. Uh, one of the funniest human beings to ever step in front of a camera. And I've been more familiar with his shorts than I have with his feature films. And I only learned about Monsieur Verdue uh, about six months ago. Okay. It was, um, I was looking somewhere. I don't remember where I was. It was, I think it was like an article about like the Charlie Chaplin's like best, you know, his films, like, you know, worst to best, something like that. Yeah. And I was reading it and Monsieur Verdoux came up and I was reading it and I'm like, what? There's a film where Charlie Chaplin plays essentially a serial killer. Yeah. Like, how do I not know about this? So I looked it up and it was on Criterion and I watched it and it was hilarious. It was a bit, I thought it was a bit um, slow at first, Mm. but once you started really like figuring out what he's doing and why he's doing it, 
you get sucked in. And yeah. I just thought it was hilarious. And not a lot of uh, artists were able to transfer from silent films to talking pictures as well as Chaplin was. And I was always concerned about that when I started watching his movies. Like I knew him as the silent little tramp in all the short films. And then I watched the great dictator in modern times. And uh, I realized that this guy's just funny. It doesn't matter if he's not talking or not. This guy just knows comedy. Yeah. And Verdue is a hilarious, fun movie. That's about a man murdering women for money. Yeah. <laughs> Only he could pull that off in 1947. I mean, this place, this movie goes to some dark places. And I'm once we, uh, once we decided to go to the forties, I knew that mm. I, I wanted to go back to Chaplin and yeah, this movie he hasn't been touched by the Oscars a lot. So this movie was kind of our only option to go back to Chaplin uh, for the forties, at least. And I'm glad we did. This was funny. And a rewatch this close to my first watch. I've noticed a lot more and I appreciated it a lot more. Oh, I'm sure. I, I definitely am keen on rewatching it at some point. Uh, it reminded me of a 1940s, you know, like Coen brothers movie. <laughs> it's like, Holy shit. Every genre is being attacked right now. I tell you, know, attack in all senses. And yeah, I, I enjoyed myself a lot. I'm really glad you, you, you felt kind of compelled to do this because as you just said, we're, we're on a, we're on our forties run here. So from now episode 61, uh, all the way to episode 65, we will be in the forties. And if, yeah, it just kind of felt right to, go off. We did a big old episode on Unforgiven last week and watched a lot of movies, talked about a lot of stuff and it felt right to kind of hone in on a specific individual uh, to start the forties. And like you said, to revisit Charlie Chaplin is really cool for, you know, it's been, it's been about a year since we did that. Uh, the great dictator. So it's come full circle here and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here, man. I, I think that the 20th Academy Awards where, Monsieur Verdue shows up, I think has a lot of interesting movies that I want to kind of knock off my list. And it would be, it's going to be a lot of fun to do a best picture showdown on this show at some point uh, on this ceremony specifically, it's a gentleman's agreement directed by Elia Kazan. I mean, we got to see that at some point you got the Bishop's wife crossfire, great expectations and miracle on 34th street. So that'll be a lot of fun one day to do that group, but to start the forties before we get to a best picture showdown, on episode 65, it feels right to honor people, specifically guys like this, who are so huge to the industry, so important to how we see the, you know, the writer, director slash star. Chaplin's like the first guy to really master it. Uh, I love those people. I love people who are like, I want to do it all. We just talked about Clint Eastwood last week. I love people that are like, let's, let's, fucking do this i i I know exactly what the vision is and i'm going to be a part of it in front of and behind the camera and chaplin is kind of the first guy to like perfect that craft and actually make it his and i know he was a control freak but you have to admire him putting himself out there over and over and over and over as this is my fucking movie i'm in it when you see director you know you see chaplin when you see written you see chaplin when you see composer, you see Chaplin. <laughs> it's it's really amazing, and you 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 touched on his his uh how he's just a comedic genius. He there might not from what I've seen so far the shorts and these these two films I've seen. I don't know of a guy who has better timing 
when it comes to comedy, whether it's 10 minutes or, you know, uh, two hours, he has a way of understanding each turn you take just matters. Even if it doesn't matter to the story necessarily, it just matters because people are watching. And if someone's watching, you might as well make it entertaining. And he does that like over and over. Uh, when I was watching Payday, I could not stop laughing when he's catching the bricks and he, it, he decides to speed it up to make it go faster. Cause it just looks that much more silly. <laughs> and th- those decisions, he does that over and over and over uh, when he's in the bathtub and he's trying to act like he's asleep. Uh, all that stuff is like, man, it, it takes guys like this to put themselves out there and do this over and over to get the, the Jim Carrey's and the Adam Sandler's, you know, and the, you know, and go back to the seventies, the Chevy Chase's, the Dan Aykroyd's like those people, they don't just, they don't just learn it, you know, in their sleep. It's you watch stuff, you, you see it and you get a feel for it and, and you have to take your hat off and, and give props to, to Charlie Chaplin for being a, just a trailblazer for, for movies in general, but specifically comedy for what he does with timing and how he's able to, to, do you know really dark humor uh, th- that's what we kind of love right you know we've done a lot of movies that that tackle that kind of thing that are uber dark but uber funny and just really entertaining movies and that's that's kind of what chaplin's best at in my opinion from what i've seen so far and i can't wait to see more yeah he's the king he's the original like you can kind of trace every comedian in film history back mm-hmm. to charlie chaplin he yes you know, at the beginning of film, he was there. He brought vaudeville comedy yeah. to, to the camera. And people responded because he was able to now reach a mass audience with, you know, I think he was a semi-popular stage actor who became yeah. a superstar with these shorts, the little tramp, you know, just a little little mustache, a bowler hat, a cane, and some big floppy shoes. And you've got one of the most iconic looks in history. <laughs> and he he played this character to perfection. It was always like a little, you know, a guy with like, you know, good interest. Like, you know, he had people's best interest at heart. He was a good dude, but he was kind of a smart ass. Yeah. And I like that. Like he didn't take any shit. You know, if somebody was, you know, took a swing at him. I love his, like his patented, like duck and, you know, punch back. <laughs> I love that. It's like when he would like drag people's feet out with his cane. I love that. <laughs> it's always when he's like walking away and he's like, fuck you. One last little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and of course, uh, you know me, if I'm going to get into something, I'm going to really try to get into it. And when I was reading about Charlie Chaplin, while well, I was just kind of watching some of his stuff on Criterion, shout out to Criterion and HBO max for having oh. all the Chaplin stuff. Thank you Hell very yeah. much. Uh, that that's the kind of shit that, cinephiles need to learn and to grow and uh it's very convenient to have those two streaming services a lot of the same stuff that's on criterion is on hbo max vice versa but it's great to have both of those uh in case you don't have one uh in our case we definitely have both because <laughs> you you don't want to miss anything uh chaplin his life is crazy is crazy is totally bonkers. I remember touching on it a little bit, but again, that was like a year ago when we did the great dictator. You just forget those, those details. Like uh, when I was reading about his relationship with his parents, just bonkers, you know, and his, his father seemed to be, uh, you know, pretty much absent 
and it's and his mom went into a, a, a mental asylum at one point while he was like a you know 14 or 15 year old and he just uh has this thing where it seems like he is running from something always yeah just i'm just gonna i have to be creative otherwise i'm gonna lose my mind you know well the whole i think being in complete control of all of his work is very much a you know i don't want anybody to screw me over i don't want anybody to take this away from me there's mm. definitely a chip on his shoulder and that came out in every project he ever did he was everyone he ever worked with considered him difficult i think uh, marlon brando called him like the most psychotic person he'd ever like worked with or something like that i don't remember what they did together but neither do i but that sounds fascinating to see those two in the same room good <laughs> lord but then like in the 70s when he got an, a special achievement award for the oscars he got like a 15 minute standing ovation because yeah. this guy as crazy as he was as you know difficult as he was to work with he was so respected and so revered and so much of film in general is owed to this guy it's really made not just comedy but the actual like you know I, people forget that when film came out a lot of people thought it was a passing fad a lot of people thought like oh this will never catch on moving pictures the hell is this charlie chaplin helped popularize film people yeah. went to see his movies yeah yeah that's that's yeah i, I love that I, I, in the i want to say 1918 or 1919 one of those years is when he decides to to basically create his own company uh united united artist he's a co-founder and then from then on is doing what you're saying he's like i this is mine this is mine i have sole ownership it's i'm in control i'm gonna get my exact uh you know vision out there and he rides that wave for like fucking 20 years until you know uh i think the great dictator and world war ii everything during that time frame clearly changed people's view of him <laughs> right uh he, he essentially is is uh accused and everybody believes he's just a flat-out communist yeah, in the 40s straight up deported like get, yeah kicked out of the country his work visa is taken away and they kick him out and he's very much like well i don't want to be here anyway and then just kept yeah. doing his thing in in uh overseas yeah yeah incredible and does some of his best work obviously post all of that monsieur verdue you know uh limelight a lot of people love a king in new york uh countless from Hon countess from hong kong uh, those movies are very revered and movies that you can find on hbo max and criterion uh kind of like essential they're seen as essential chaplain he does that shit after you know fuck you i'm gonna keep making you know making my work work and he's awesome man he's awesome i'm really i feel almost like blessed to uh to run into you who's such a huge fan because all it all it takes is one person to be passionate about something to rub off on you uh and i know that's kind of what we always do with movies for with each other as as friends and with chaplin that's just someone that you knew austin you have to see this guy's stuff you gotta at least try you know because it's, it's it's important to understanding the greater picture of of cinema yeah i remember i had to i had to really make my case for the great dictator yeah I remember you weren't really a chaplain guy and i had no. to be like but it's like i don't get it this is, this is different <laughs> this is the great dictator this is special hitler hated this movie and but it's he is a guy who's just like even if you don't like his stuff you gotta you gotta respect it you got to respect yeah. what he was capable of, what he did. He was ahead of his time in so many different direct, you know, so many different ways. I mean, 
even like on the set of City Lights, you know, he, he bullied actresses to get like hundreds of takes to get the good one, to get the right one. And filmmakers would, you know, use him as an excuse. Like, you know, if Charlie Chaplin could do it, why can't I do it? You know, like yeah. it's, I'm not saying that's good. And that's a good thing. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> it changes, it changes things. It, 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 like you said, makes people think someone like David Fincher is like, wait, can I do 75 takes with Ben Affleck, you know, <laughs> Thro- throwing a glass over and over, you know, that's, that wouldn't happen unless you had someone before that blazing the fucking trail, pushing the boundaries and said, I, I'm going to, I'm gonna continue to, to like strive for greatness no matter what it is. And, and with Chaplin, it, it, what I love the most about that, that work ethic, that kind of I, idea go, going at your work like that is he does it for every, everything. It's, it, you can tell the attention to detail when it's a dramatic scene or when it's comedic, he's not willing to just, fucking let it fly he's like this has to be right this comedic timing has to be right because it's because comedy so so many times especially in the oscars especially with the academy just gets fucking misunderstood and denied and people want to shun it but there's there's when when comedy is good comedy is great you know and there's serious craft to it and chaplin recognized that that's why i very much felt like i was watching an old school cohen movie you know the Coens clearly understand that they understand that you're allowed to put these things together and make an effective film. Even if it's making you laugh. I can see so much of Charlie Chaplin's work in the lady killers specifically. Oh yeah. Very oh, much, yeah. you know, cause and effect. This leads to that leads to this just goofy mm-hmm. slapstick shit. But you put that film in black and white, make it silent. I can see Chaplin starring in that. Yeah. Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I could totally see Fargo being, you know, any, a a lot of the characters in Fargo and just kind of like, like you said, this leads to this, this leads to that. There's no, no two ways about it. You just got to fucking deal with it. Uh, That's, that's some of my favorite shit. Just simplistic. This takes a turn. So this takes a turn. There's no, there's no guessing or, you know, gimmicks, you know, it's, it's all right in front of you. This is happening. So then this happens. And I, Sometimes that's really nice to have. I, I do love movies that leave a lot of things to be desired, you know, as far as uh, the, 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 the story doesn't always have to be resolved for me. But with, with Chaplin, it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to give it to you fucking straight. And I, I, I kind of like that every now and again. Yeah, his films are enjoyable, but also stick with you. Like mm-hmm. Verdue is very much about, you know, the fallout of the Great Depression and yeah, what people were some people were driven to the absolute brink just to make ends meet. You know, in Verdue's case, he used the only skill he had, seduction. Yeah, and he, you know, he's doing all this to support a wife and kid, which is so many layers of fucked up. <laughs> but yep. in 1947, like, also, I love how he was able to dodge the Hayes Code. Oh, Very few yeah. filmmakers he were able to do that. Weaved his way around that shit so creative him and to me him and hitchcock were just like we're, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we'll still have fun <laughs> they're both english and english filmmakers yep. like didn't need hollywood you know they had their own way of doing things and especially them too you know chaplin yeah. and hitchcock maybe the two most influential film figures of the 20th century maybe ever mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they're they're in that argument they're in that um uh, that debate one it's 
it's all about timing, right? You know, when people talk about the Beatles being the best band ever, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, they came at the perfect time. Chaplin, perfect time. It's like, dude, nobody else is doing this shit. Someone has to, and yeah, you know, he, he, he does it. Hitchcock does it. That's, that's massive. Now there's so many goddamn people who want to claim to be auteurs, you know, so many people right now in the, in the film industry that are their, their own brand, right? You know, I'm seeing this guy's film, but more times than not, it's, it's, it it doesn't work (laughs) more times than not. If everyone's an auteur, no one's an auteur. That's, Mm. that's not how it works. You know, we can't all be Hitchcock. Yeah. (laughs) Like stop acting like it. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm, it's annoying. We're definitely in a diluted market right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so, man. Uh, you would be able to speak uh, as far as the actual product uh, much better than I would. I know you've seen like almost 80 2021 releases. Uh, I've probably seen like 30. Uh, but I but you know me, I follow I follow what's happening very closely and I pay attention a lot to how the movie industry is is uh is moving and doing things and how it's growing or shrinking. And it, it is, it is a bit scary how it seems to be in a place, a pretty convoluted, diluted, uh, <laughs> a, a place that it, it's like no man's land. It's like a bunch of just stuff, bunch of stuff, like random stuff. I know there's the overflow from COVID from last year, you know, movies are trying to find their place. But I don't know where we stand. You know, I don't know where the movie community stands. You know, I I feel like there's so many different opinions flying around that sometimes I I feel like, like, where where are we at? Like the true movie fans, you know, where are we actually at? Are we appreciating what's happening right now? Are we cool with some things being on HBO Max, some things being on Hulu, some things being in the theater, some things being on this, this, that, you know, all over the place? Or are we are are we a, a frustrated community? <laughs> I can't tell. Well, I, I first off, I appreciate the accessibility. I do like being able to get most films from my mm. my home. Yeah, but I don't know if it's just because I'm paying more attention this year because of the sneak preview. But I feel like this is the most disappointing film year so far that I've been a part of, like in my lifetime. Like there's been very few exceptions this year, but overall, I feel like everything is either a repeat or just bad. And I don't like that. I'm waiting for, I'm honestly waiting for Oscar season for some variety and maybe some, you know, somebody actually trying, but so a lot of stuff this year just feels like, you know, like reheated tacos. It's just like, yeah, I'll eat it, but I'm not going to enjoy this. Yeah. (laughs) I need to be kind of drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think a lot of people feel that same. People who watch a lot of movies that are current, yeah, feel that same kind of. Uh, like, where are we? And nothing feels. The main thing for me is, uh, is nothing feels set in stone in the way that. When it comes out, it, it lives for like a few hours, and it's on to the next thing. Yeah. And so, you you know, a, a movie like Black Widow, even I feel like didn't even have the right amount of space to breathe. To just to just be itself. And, and uh, you know, you have movies coming out right alongside it everywhere. The next weekend, there was one weekend where like nine movies came out. It's like, OK, I remember <laughs> what is going on. You know, th- this is this ultimately is supposed to be for the culture. And if the culture is 
just moving in a way that's like uh, just fucking everything's disposable, then it's then it's zero zero fun for everybody. Even if it's bad, even if something is so shitty. And I, I'm not saying this movie's shitty, but I'm going to use it as an example because I think it was really cool how we saw the movie community just fucking talk about it. It was Malcolm and Marie. That movie was talked about, was brought up, was discussed, was like letterboxed, was all over it, you know? And I love when that happens. You can feel it. You can like really, really feel it. Uh, what's the one? Uh, Jesus, I can't even think of it. Uh, that film that, uh, that you loved from last year. Uh, that one screenplay. Uh, Jesus. Oh, Jojo uh, Rabbit. No, no. From this past... Uh, why can I not think oh, of it? Shit, uh, yeah, I forgot about an entire year. Oh, son of a bitch. It was your film. Uh, it was. God damn it. Why, um, can, why can I think? Promising Young Woman. Promising, Promising Young, Young Woman. That movie had a real life around it. Yeah. And it feels like that's so rare now. It feels like it's so rare for something to kind of break through that. Oh, oh, this happened. But no, people are really talking about it for like a week straight. I want, I want that. That's what I, and I think, I think most movie fans want to have that time to appreciate something let it breathe for a minute and then and then we'll move on to the next thing well these days i mean the turnaround alone is incredibly <sighs> fast i mean i just earlier t- like yesterday i saw a preview for f9 is on de- is now available on demand that came what out like fuck? less than a month ago it's it's insane like not only does do stuff not get to breathe we're we're just releasing films just to have them now. Like there's no discussion. There's no analysis that we just like, you know, here's, here's the three for this week and move on. Now we're doing this one. Like when was the last time you heard anybody talking about Godzilla versus Kong? That was huge for like a week. And then that's a, yeah, that's nobody a talking about it. Same with mortal Kombat. Nothing now. And yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm glad I have like I'm glad we do the sneak previews like if only to actually give these films some time you know to fucking think about them for a minute yeah like we need to we need to remember to do that we've always done that and for some reason this I don't know if we're just starved for content after last year but we're really just like we're chewing like we're we're eating it without tasting it yeah 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 not even trying to like savor the flavor at all and that just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, and I think that's why I've, you know, I'm very picky and choosy on what I watch. That's new. Uh, I, I prefer, and I think a lot of big movie fans, and we haven't even talked about how TV has just boom, made it, made everything so convoluted <laughs> to where you literally have no day to even rest. It's just stuff, stuff, content, 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 content. Uh, but speaking about, you know, being, being a movie fan, my favorite thing to do is, is what we're doing on this show and what we do on Filmgasm and what the Google guys do is where you, you're, you're talking about Chaplin. You know, you're taking the week to appreciate a guy, a person, an individual with specific works. I think that's a really healthy way to just kind of process, digest, figure out, okay, do I like this or not? And then, and then you know, if I do later on down the line, I'll add more movies and start watching more of his stuff in my own time. And that's just to me and most big time movie fans that I talk to, the best way is just kind of dive into a specific pocket and then pull out when it's, when it's actually time. 
but stay in the pocket for as long as you need to, you know, stay there. If you want to learn stuff, if Chaplin's really like, Oh man, it's really inspiring you stay there. Don't feel like you have to move on to the next thing just to move on to the next thing. Oh, dude. I mean, on sneak preview, I honestly feel like I'm just watching stuff for the sake of watching stuff. I haven't looked forward to a movie in a while and I fucking hate that. I miss yeah, it sucks. You know, yeah. being excited about stuff like, you know, oh my God, I get to see this next week. Right now I feel like it's, oh, I have to see that this week. Mm. And I fucking hate that. That's why I look forward to this show more than anything because I get to see pockets of film of the past, of films that built this intricate, you know, system that I love, like the pieces that still resonate. That's it's like I'm getting a little bit of that joy back every time. And I, 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 I love that. Filmgasm's the same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you get to, you get, I just get the chills thinking about it. When you get to take a, a Batman Returns 1992 and just fucking embrace it and just hold on to it and love on it, like, that's, that's one of the best feelings in the world. And I think that's why we're doing what we're doing, why we continue to do what we're doing with all these shows is we feel very strongly about giving a movie that, that space to yeah. like you to, to think about it for a minute, pr- analyze it, whether it's good or bad, just take the time to really look at it. Sometimes it's more fun when it's bad. <laughs> if you really, <laughs> if you really take the time, sometimes it's more fun. Uh, it, it can be, uh, this is, I, I love conversations like this, that, that kind of sprout out of the history of film, because when you think about Chaplin, you think about, giving him that time, respecting it. It's hard to believe that people, uh, most people are just willing to do that with the new landscape of just content, content, content. Everybody's consuming a shit ton. You have to have 10 streaming services to see everything. It's, uh, it's daunting. Sometimes it's like almost scary when you realize, holy shit, they've got us by the balls. They've, <laughs> they've all got us by the balls. I mean, do you remember the insane lead up to space jam Two, just everybody talking about like, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're doing that. What's LeBron James doing here standing in, in for Michael Jordan. Why would bugs bunny do that? Why is Lola bunny not hot anymore? It comes out and already the discussion's over. Nobody's talking yeah. about it anymore. Nobody, nobody, nobody's talking about it. People are talking about, you know, what happened in the Olympics today, what people are. And then the next day will be what happened today in the Olympics and people will move on from, these cultural events to cultural events. And it's like, wait, but this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> like staying power has vanished and we got to find it again. I don't, yeah, and I if don't you, know. if you do have, if you do have that, the way, the way that I, f- I feel that Marvel did capture with their TV shows, their three shows, I feel like they did create something by, Hey, we're going to have six or eight episodes. This is going to be a two month long discussion i do feel like that was in the stream of consciousness consciousness for 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 most people that i was just kind of talking to at work and stuff and in my personal life i feel like most people were into that and had something to say about it that's fucking awesome that's great i hate that it took a fucking you know three little series to do that but so be it well i kind of don't count marvel in this wide discussion because they're their own (laughs) entity they know what they're doing they have a plan they're sticking with it i'm always going to be impressed by them yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, always... they really are. Well, well uh, a lot of people I have read, you know, I've read, read some of their stuff, what they think is going to happen to the future of, of film. A lot of them think that, well, you know, no matter what, 
these Marvel movies are going to go into the theaters. Uh, you may lose indie stuff. You may lose low budget stuff, but you'll never lose this because they know what they're doing. They're on top of it and they can spend as much as they need to because they're going to make it back. Cause we, cause we're all invested in everything that they do. And that's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. They're, they're able to create an event around a two hour film. They're able to do that. They know how to do that. Yeah, they do. They do. And, uh, I'm thinking, like, what's the next movie that I'm actually like looking forward to seeing? It's, ugh, I don't, uh, maybe the Oscar, the Oscar season. I can't wait for, you know, I, I cannot wait. I can't wait till we finally get the new James Bond film. That's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. But, but yeah, you know me. I mean, uh, French Dispatch. Oh boy. You know, I'm counting down the days till I get to see that. And I'm, I'm really excited to see Dune. Uh, and there's there's a few others. I'm 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 ready. I, I love those guys that are that are trying. You know, I think Denis Villeneuve and and Wes Anderson are guys who who try to have their own you know distinct look and feel to their films, and I I, I respect that. I think we can still rely on guys like that. Guys who have a, a have a vision. Guys who are are actually like making a catalog for themselves. You know. Yeah. Fincher, Anderson, Tarantino. These guys, they know what they're doing, and you can always kind of rely on them for something engaging and something relatively creative. Yeah. And that's always nice. It's always nice to have your kind of comfort food. Oh, and, for sure. Uh, especially when it comes with Francis McDormand and Timothy Chalamet and Owen Wilson, you know, and Edward Norton and all of these cats like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Maybe it's just because of, you know, I, I went and saw The Green Knight today and I was bummed out. That might be why this is all kind of like negative in my head right now. No, it's 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 been negative in my head. Just I we've been able to see it. We've been able to see it uh, since you and I were working at the theater together. It's just you can see that there's stuff that has been changing for a while now with with the streaming services and then COVID just kicked it into high gear and you have fucking steven soderbergh making you know deals with hbo max and we've already had we already had martin scorsese release a movie on fucking netflix and alfonso Cuaron and noah bombach has a contract with them uh david fincher has a contract with them these are massive massive people to to us to the film community and that 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 changes things that's going to change things for what we're used to when it has been going to the theater checking it out on Friday night, talking about it the whole weekend. And then during the week at work, talking about it with whoever had, whoever saw it, talking about it with them. And then uh, the next Friday time to go see the next film. Yeah. We, we started sneak preview as like with the hopes that, you know, it would lead to the week long conversation about these films. You know, you'd listen if you do like our show. Thanks by the way, anybody. Um, Hell yeah. Sneak listen- preview. <laughs> listen to the sneak preview you know we'd hope you know you'd you'd see some of these movies listen to our take on it and then talk about any you know anything like we brought up or made you think about during the week but the demand i mean we've had so many fucking movies to talk about you're you're killing yourself (laughs) the fear street thing fucking gunpowder milkshake like just f9 all liam neeson all this shit and like my heart has not been attached to like any of it there's just been, it's been just, you know, junk food. Lots and of stuff. Lots I, of stuff. Ugh, it's, 
I don't, I, I feel like I have to watch them or else, you know, they're going to fall off my radar. But even when I'm watching them, I'm like, I feel like I saw this movie last week. <laughs> like it's still starting yeah. to bleed. Cause it's the same I, shit. Yeah. And then, and then your brain is like, wait, I could, you know, I could watch a fucking, you know, David Cronenberg movie right now. What am I doing? <laughs> exactly. The whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking like, I could just close my eyes, pick a service and just watch something that's been on my list for years that I've never you know, a classic I've never gotten to take a chance at. But instead, I'm here watching, you know, the third or fourth female-led action movie that still doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, and there's and there's no context. There's no context because nobody else is 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 taking the time to really think about it. So when there is there is no context for you as an individual watching this, what does this mean to me, and what does this mean to the people I'm going to talk to about it, the film community? And what does it mean to film at large? And when it means kind of nothing, it's fucking hard to hard to sit through that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You know, Nick, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, sneak preview, check it out. Uh, I, I know that show has has made you like work, has made you work for the content, uh, uh, just seeking things out and kind of sucking it all in. And so yeah, I I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. There's no way. <laughs> It's been it's been a heavy toll. I've seen seventy one of this year's releases. Yeah, good God. Theaters, streaming services, like everything. And I've liked maybe nine of those. Yeah, you've got I like mean, a top ten. Yeah, <laughs> like my top ten. I know, like in when we do sneak preview next year, January, we're going to do the top ten of twenty twenty one. I do not have one yet. I bear like, and nothing I've seen is is going to make my top ten. Um, for me, Mitchell's versus the machines. That's, I love that movie. That would, that'll definitely show up in my top 10. I imagine I, I fell in love with that movie. I thought it was great. And I like St. Maude. So I'm lucky for that one. Um, I'm looking <laughs> at my letterbox right now. Like Judas and the black Messiah probably. Made oh it. yeah. 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 That was the a father. Awesome like, movie. Last year's like late release Oscar movies. Ryan, the last dragon I liked. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, they're hard to find now. The gems are buried under so much dirt now. And I feel like I'm mis- I'm spending 90% of my time just digging. Like, I feel like a failed prospector in 1850. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, you, you know what my, probably my favorite thing to come out this year is uh, a documentary. As I'm looking at my letterbox, I really liked Luca. Mitchell's Machines was fantastic. I, I enjoyed Justice League, you know, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That was kind of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah, fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Thunder Force, that just about sums up the year. Thunder Force. <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh. God, the, con- the Conjuring, dude, the devil made me do it. Fuck, like I'm forgetting just how many movies that, that just disappointed me. Um, but my favorite thing from this year is definitely Woodstock 99, the documentary that just came out a uh, little over a week ago, last Friday. And holy shit, this blew my mind. You know, I've heard a bit about the famous, you know, festival from 1999, of course, from 1969, the original Woodstock. And then you had Woodstock 1994 and then Woodstock 99. This documentary is a part of a fucking six part series that 
HBO is doing called the music box. I mean, come on, that sounds pretty cool. Music box. I'm already in. And it's got my, the guy who's producing it is one of my, one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite media people, one of my favorite podcasters, Bill Simmons. Uh, love that guy's work. I think he's a borderline genius at just figuring out how to churn stuff out while, while trying to make stuff relevant, make it kind of an event. I love what he does. Uh, he, he didn't direct this or anything, but he's the producer. The director is Garrett Price. And I loved this. I think you'll love it even more. I really do. Uh, I think there's stuff in this documentary that will hit you so hard. And it's uh, uh, an era of music that I think you connect with. You know, Rage Against the Machine, fucking A, right? Metallica. Those bands are there. Uh, and I, I think you're going to respond to it really well. It's very scary. It's almost like a horror movie. Uh, just, but it's real life. You know, it's a real life, actual horror documentary. So I highly suggest people check that out if they haven't. It's my, it's my favorite thing, like without a doubt from this, this year, that and Judas and Black Messiah. And that's, 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 that's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you were able to find something. I'm, I've found a couple gems, but honestly, the staying power isn't there either. It's, yeah. uh, but you know who I can always go to for, entertainment value, legacy, and staying power. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> yes. Charlie Chaplin, every time, every time. And I feel like you, uh, when you turn one on one of his movies, you probably feel at home. Yeah? Well, I grew up with Chaplin, you know, thanks to my grandpa, who yes. came home one day with a collection of like 80 Chaplin short films, and I just happened to catch one. And I got hooked immediately. I was like, you know what this came out in 1915 my god and it's still funny like what yeah a hundred years later yeah and then from there you know i i bought more collections i found all his movies i just i i love this guy i i you know his say what you want about the man himself you know he's got his demons but his work is flawless it's timeless and it's so fun i i, I you're right i do feel at home He's, he's very, spe his work is very special to me. So cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that. I can't, you can't manufacture that yeah. uh, to grow up with somebody, a performer like Charlie Chaplin watching his stuff. I, I, I simply cannot re relate to it, which is yeah. really cool. It's, it's a, I think it's one of the key differences in our, our movie fandom is when you find a guy like this, where I found him so late in life, in, in late in life i'm fucking 26 uh compared to you uh i found him about 20 years later than you did that that is that is a good good chunk of time to not have someone in your brain and in your conscious you know for for what he did for for film uh and shame on me for taking so long but i i mean i still got people i gotta get to you know movies i gotta get to it's always gonna be scary <laughs> to, to 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 kind of realize you know have that realization that oh man i have a lot of a lot of shit to see well to be fair you know i mean i was pretty much raised on film like from day one i've had you know robert zemeckis and john carpenter and charlie chaplin and walt disney just kind of creating who i am as a person and <laughs> you know i've even you know i've seen i've counted them up i've seen about 20 2400 movies in my lifetime yeah usually not counting rewatches that would be in the 10 thousands 
Well, but yeah, that would be very hard to. <laughs> but my list of films that I still want to watch is about 30 pages long and I'm constantly adding to it. So the, the journey's never over. I'm not, you know, further ahead than you are. I'm just on a different path. Exactly. And I love that. I love being uh, finding people that are on a different path, but know their shit, you know? When someone knows their shit and is passionate about what they know, I can have a conversation with them all day. So it makes sense that this would happen. It makes sense that Charlie Chaplin would be someone that you would pretty much introduce me to and continue that conversation with episodes like this. Uh, the one nomination kind of sucks because I, I would like to look uh, at the 20th Academy Awards. And, you know, there's only one. It's just screenplay. But there are, you know, there are obviously some huge names at this ceremony. And I, I would like to hear from you uh, what films, aside from Monsieur Verdoux, that you have seen or want to see from this, this, uh, this ceremony. Because, yeah, you, you, you got some, some heavy hitters. You got, you know, uh, I, I mentioned G- Gentleman's Agreement, the Best Picture winner, Elie Kazan. And uh, as the director, he won. He won director as well. And uh, George Cukor uh, for A Double Life. These are people that have been brought up on our show. You know, Gregory Peck, uh, Joan Crawford, Susan Hayward, Loretta Young. These people, yeah, we, like we've talked about them before. And it's cool to see them here again at another ceremony. Yeah, for sure. I literally just bought Gentleman's Agreement not three days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, in terms of films I've seen, um, I absolutely love The Bishop's Wife. Mm, that is- okay such a such a heartwarming sweet funny christmas movie about an angel who is sent to earth to help somebody find their way and no it's not it's a wonderful life it's the bishop's wife (laughs) (laughs) it is very similar i'll give you that but it's Cary grant is an angel how can you not love that hell yeah Um, that's a fun that's a fun movie and i think that and verdue are all i've seen from this uh this show um every christmas i keep meaning to watch miracle on 34th street i still haven't yeah, I've seen that one, but I don't remember it very well. I'm not a big Christmas, you know, movie fan. <laughs> Unless it's Batman Returns or Die Hard. <laughs> That's very sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a. Yeah, I think I've done this before on this on this show. I'm just not a big Christmas guy. I oh. I don't really. Some of the stuff that comes along with it, I like, but I, I don't like all the the huge commercialization of it and all that. Just kind of stresses me out. Gives me anxiety. Well, you got to do what my family does. Pick and choose your own traditions, create your own Christmas. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. You still got to spend a lot of money, you know, and I don't, <laughs> no, you don't. Like, I, I feel like people's, uh, you know, they, 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 they spend too much. Like people overspend and do things that are just unnecessary for, for what, for the birth of Jesus. Like what, what are we doing here? What's going on? I don't celebrate. No, I don't, I don't celebrate the birth of Jesus. I don't celebrate Santa Claus. I celebrate good family, good movies, good good company, friends. That's what I celebrate. And good movies, yeah. I don't give a fuck what people tell me to like about Christmas. I do it my way. I do every holiday my way. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, celebrate I I Xmas. <laughs> Xmas, yeah. I don't I don't I'm not a big holiday person in general really. So, the Christmas is kind of the 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 big one, right? But the movie, the movie's all right. Uh, probably need to revisit it. It's been been a few years. But yeah, for me, it's just that and Monsieur Verdoux. Uh, I, 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 I got to see a double life. I got to see it. 
I cannot, I cannot wait to check that one out. I do see Ronald, a film in best. Originals. I see a film in best original song that we've both seen. Oh, is that? Oh, you're right. Isn't this the year with um, that fucking Disney movie, Song Zip, of the South? Yeah. Zippity doo da. Yeah. Oh boy. What a shit show. <laughs> what a shit show. Yeah, it's up for best scoring of a musical picture. And yeah, there, there it is. Yep. Zippity doo da from Song of the South. Music by Ali Rubel. Lyrics by Ray Gilbert. Yeah, just not one of the worst movies we've ever talked about on any of the shows. Maybe the worst. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. Moving on. I don't want to talk more about Song of the South. <laughs> it's Last it's a shit show. Last ended up there for some reason, so I don't want to go back there on Oscar yeah. Sunday. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, it's over. Uh, Great Expectations. Uh, David Lean, British movie. Uh, that, yeah, I, I need to see that one as well. There's, there's a few that I've kind of caught that people talk about still that's still kind of in the culture. Uh, I, I always want to see those and see how they've kind of aged. Yeah, I've never really been a big Dickens fan. I know a lot of his films have, or a lot of his books have become like definitive 20th century films. Mm. Eventually, we're going to have to talk about Oliver. It's a winner. I know. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I love David. What, from what I've seen from David Lean, the guy was maybe the greatest epic filmmaker of the 20th century. And um, I'd love to see his take on Great Expectations. Yeah, same, same, man. Yeah, this is you know, food, food for thought, a lot of this stuff, but what, but what we have is, is the, the watching of Monster Verdue up for best original screenplay. Uh, the winner was the bachelor and the Bobby Soxer written by Sidney Sheldon. Never heard of that one. Uh, body and soul was nominated written by Abraham Polanski. Weird. Uh, (laughs) a double life written by Ruth Gordon and Garson Kanan. Is that Uh, Ruth Gordon? That's I, w- I was going to mention that from like Rosemary's Baby. It is. It is that. Ruth uh, hell yeah. That's fucking cool as shit. 20 years before. Yeah. Uh, Monsieur Verdue, Charlie Chaplin, wrote it by himself, of course. Uh, Shoe Shine, written by fucking four people. Sergio Amide, Adolfo Franchi, Frankie, I don't know. <laughs> Cesar Giulio Viola and Cesar Zavatini. Whoa. <laughs> What's Shoe Shine? Uh, Italian <laughs> ah, Italian movie Vittorio De Sica okay sometimes regarded as his first masterpiece the film follows two shoeshine boys who get into trouble with the police after trying to find the money to buy a horse yeah I'm in that sounds nice and simple that sounds that sounds great you got four people writing it so hopefully it's good <laughs> you know uh, it's interesting Monsieur Verdue was originally going to be an Orson Welles project Ooh. Uh, he wanted to do it as a straightforward drama, but then he got committed to other projects and Chaplin bought the idea off of him, um, rewrote his screenplay for, to make it funny and then took his name completely off the project and gave him a story credit on Monsieur Verdue. Wells wasn't bothered because he was like, eh, it wasn't that good. I don't need the credit. I, I did Citizen Kane. I don't need it. But <laughs> I just find that interesting that that's what Chaplin's approach was like. I'm just going to take this and make it a little bit funnier. And now it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's a lot of the time how it works in old, in old Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> just a fucking cesspool of creativity. <laughs> oh my God. It's yeah. It's I, I love how on this podcast, 
we are simultaneously just celebrating some of the greatest films of all time while also just bashing this sick industry. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, 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 I'll always do that. I always kind of see it for being gray and not black and white and not these are the end all be all and this is everything and everything's good. No, it's just never the case. It's always going to be some gray. <laughs> always. <laughs> especially when it comes to adults making art because uh, they can't seem to fucking get along. And we've, 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 we've learned to learn that plenty of times uh, on Oscar Sunday, especially, you know, I mean, fucking, you just mentioned citizen Kane, what a shit show <laughs> fucking everybody trying to rob each other of, of what's happening. Uh, and that kind of makes it to what it is. I know like just knowing all the turmoil behind the scenes and then that movie being what it is, this beautiful movie about one's decisions in life like fuck man yeah yeah i don't want to say it's worth it but i mean we do get these incredible works of art i i I mean exactly 80 years later now i would say i would say it's it's still like thriving the movie is still thriving people still think a lot of people still think it's the greatest movie of all time the most like influential movie a lot of people see it as the the first, you know, rise and fall, the, the, the huge, the plot, at least, at least in this way with this big of a movie, I'm sure there's movies that talked about that, but when you do it in this way, this grand of a scale, it's just kind of intoxicating. And I, 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 I think sometimes I, again, it's hard to say worth it, but if, if something lives on for 80 years yeah. and is still looked at as one of the, you know, one of the Titans of, of film, it so they did something right. <laughs> true, very true. Speaking of, what are Chaplin's Oscar nominations? Because it's a very strange bunch of uh, awards this guy got. Oh yeah, this is this is the place we have to go before we do our awards for months overdue. Uh, again, I wish we had more from the 20th Academy Awards, but that's their fault for not giving months overdue more stuff. But for for Chaplin, it is a very strange very strange run (laughs) uh he he gets an honorary award in 1929 now the oscars had you know begun in the late 20s you know we did we did wings we did the first ever winner on the show a long time ago still Uh, yeah yeah 1927 the first ever academy awards and wings one it's still a pretty cool movie a lot of it was filmed here in san antonio uh to see chaplin get this right away when the academy you know comes into existence you would think all right shit's about to start fuck he's about to just stack these bitches on top of each other but no that just that doesn't happen for a whole decade for the 30s the whole 30s he gets nothing and the 30s like he's he's really 30s might be when he released his best work to a lot of people, both Modern yeah. Times and uh, City Lights City came Lights, out in the 30s. Yeah. And those two films, it's hard to argue what's Chaplin's greatest film. A lot of people say The Great Dictator. I personally say The Great Dictator. But every film you can kind of look at as something that changed the game, something that was new, something that was fresh and nobody had ever thought of and was just unbelievable. I mean, Modern Times alone is so technically impressive that you wonder like, where the fuck was the Academy when that came out? Like what happened? Was it scandal? Was it, you know, stubbornness? I don't know. 
I mean, when he got nominated for the circus, like he got a best actor nomination and they took that away and said, let's just give him an honorary award. He's that good. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, the honorary award 1929 is for versatility and genius in acting, writing, directing, and producing the circus. Though nominated for best director, the Academy decided to remove Chaplin's name from the, from the group like that. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy for that, for, for, for that to be the case. Uh, no, there's no point because there's no contest. We're just going to give you this other thing. Uh, but again, that's like someone winning an NBA championship when they're 20 years old. And then afterwards, just nothing for 10 years. Like that's just wild. And then great dictator. He's nominated for best original screenplay and nominated for best actor in a lead role. Of course that came out in 1940. So it's at the 1941 Oscars. Uh, and then he's nominated here for best screenplay monster Verdue. 1947 and then he wins another honorary award in 1972 for the incalculable effect he has had on making motion pictures the art form of this of what it is today here that's, here that's 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 fucking awesome that i would rather have that than any any oscar i'd rather be called that my effect is so great as an individual that i just mean so much to motion picture that you just have to recognize me <laughs> Movies don't exist without Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Incalculable. That's a, that's a pretty cool thing to have as a, that's one of your traits. Uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. And then his, uh, uh, his last nomination and a win is uh, 1972. Uh, Limelight. Uh, he was, he won best music, best original dramatic score. So that is uh, that's pretty special to, have uh you know writing a couple writing nominations uh acting a couple fucking honorary awards and then a win for music like whew, holy hell it is worth pointing out that limelight came out in 1952 but was yes. not released in la until 1972 because apparently a movie doesn't actually come out until it comes out in la <laughs> yeah of course yeah if, if, if it's not playing on a screen in los angeles then you're nothing <laughs> That's basically what, basically what they're saying for 20 fucking years. Uh, yeah, super interesting stuff. There was also this tidbit. Uh, uh, I was texting you. Um, I was watching stuff on Criterion, and you were saying to watch uh, the Gold Rush. Yeah. And it says on Criterion 1942 version or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And then you said that he went back and edited it or put a, put a commentary. He put a, a either a commentary or he um he added a, a different score. I know that he he screwed with that, but other than that, it's the same movie. Okay, yeah, I I will check that out soon. Uh, I think City Lights, Limelight, uh, those are ones that are probably at the top of my list to to check out for for his stuff. It's been a minute since I saw the circus. I think that's the next one I want to watch. I gotta yeah. There's there's a lot. There's a lot. I'm uh, and I'm not gonna. Again, I'm not going to overcrowd myself. I'm going to slowly do this. You know, I'm going to, when I have time and I'm just flipping through Criterion, let's throw on a chaplain. Uh, that's kind of how, kind of how I am, you know, and that way I can kind of just appreciate the guy, appreciate the guy's craft and yeah. appreciate his films. It's exactly what I'm doing with Nicolas Cage right now. What a diff, what a different, <laughs> different kind of learning process. A man who changed cinema in his own way, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> No fucking doubt. I think Nicolas Cage, the way people talk about him, there is no other person 
the way people react to Nicolas Cage, you know? <laughs> if you if you told me tomorrow that it was revealed that Nicolas Cage was actually like a fucking alien, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I expect it. I expect that fucking news, that headline to show up on my TV one day. <laughs> You're waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Ever since I first watched Raising Arizona, I said, this guy's not human. There's no way. <laughs> Dude, you got to, when it gets to, to on demand, you got to watch Pig. Like, oh, I know. I, I really liked uh, fucking Wonderland. Uh, what was it called? Willie's Wonderland? Yeah. And I liked, uh, uh, fuck, I'm not going to remember that real atmospheric kind of horror movie. Uh, Mandy. Fucking loved Mandy. That was dope as hell. So, yeah, I, I got to see Pig. I, I love what Cage is doing. I, I've always loved what Cage is doing deep down, even when it was shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's the fucking man. And as far as I'm concerned, when you're nine years old and you see National Treasure for the first time, your heart is stolen from you, yeah. <laughs> and it belongs with fucking Nicolas Cage and the fucking Declaration of Independence. So. <laughs> yeah. I, National Treasure just instrumental in turning me into a film buff and a history buff, like at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so cool! I could still put that movie on today, and I'm just I just have a blast. You, well, you also you know you fucking John Voight is his dad. Come on. Yeah, that's you crazy. Sean Bean's the bad guy. Diane Kruger's the love interest, and then Justin Christopher Harper's Plummer. There too. Christopher Plummer is his fucking rest in peace. Is his fucking grandpa? Come on, Harvey Keitel's the FBI guy. Oh yeah, I kind of forget about that. That's yeah. What a cool, cool movie. Uh, definitely then part two adds adds fucking Ed Harris into the mix. <laughs> yeah, why not? And yeah, Helen Mirren, four, fucking four time Oscar nominee. Let's just throw him, throw his ass in there. Uh, <laughs> God, I, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, studying Chaplin and Cage. That's that's all we're doing. That's all. <laughs> it's just <laughs> studying these weirdos. We are definitely um, marching to the beat of our own drum, and we are enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Having having a blast. Uh, having as much of a blast as we can. Uh, but I'm I'm really excited to do these awards to kind of talk about our favorite parts of this movie. Once overdue. Uh, I. There was a plethora to choose from, uh, yeah. especially for the Deacons, right? For the, for the best scene. I think there's a lot of really cool scenes in this movie that kind of just capture something so magnificent with the art of, you know, putting stuff on the screen. It's just different than real life, but he, he bleeds stuff into it that just uh, keeps it authentic, keeps it raw. And, and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, if this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. Uh, I anticipate if you're here for uh, fucking Monsieur Verdoux, you're, you've probably been here before. <laughs> and uh, uh, then you know that we have uh, uh, four awards we give out here uh, to kind of kind of end the show. I've had a lot of fun today, a lot of cool conversations that's rooted from Chaplin and his kind of dominance uh, as, as a movie mind. Uh, a lot of respect here on Oscar Sunday for Charlie Chaplin. We have the Tarantino for best quote or line. We have the Ennio Morricone for best music moment. Again, this is a score composed by fucking Chaplin himself. Uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award goes to the best performer of the movie. <laughs> Come on. And the Roger Deakins goes to the best scene or best moment of the movie. So I'll, I'll let you take it away with your Tarantino. Mine's kind of long. So uh, I'm, I'm going to let you take it away. I think it's really cool. I think this is the first time that actually, – actually, the second time we did The Great Dictator – that Chaplin is single-handedly responsible for every moment of this film. All four awards he did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have three quotes for my Tarantino. Um, one that's so good. Fun, one that's funny, and two that are, and mostly because I don't see Chaplin do this a lot. Uh, very dramatic. I like when Chaplin steps into dramatic territory. He's so good at it, and he he rarely did it. Uh, first off, it's during uh, the <laughs> scene where he, uh, Verdu and Annabella are fishing and he's trying to kill her and he's showing her how to lasso a fish and he puts the noose on her neck and a yodeler shows up and she goes, we better take this off. He'll think you're murdering me. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh man. His whole relationship <laughs> with that just irritating woman was hilarious. Um, my second line is in exchange between Verdu and the girl who keeps popping up. Okay. Uh, he says, this is a ruthless world and one must be ruthless to cope with it. And then she gives her view on the world. That isn't true. It's a blundering world and a very sad one. Yet a little kindness can make it beautiful. Hmm. And I love that. That's, you know, one can have kind of one or the other outlooks on the world and mine kind of shifts between those two depending on like who I'm with and what's going on at the time for sure I think there's a the cynicism you do uh, I think as you get older you just relate to you understand that it's it gets frustrating being a human being and dealing dealing with what you got to deal with as an individual uh but there's also times where it's like holy shit I love being alive you know I love fucking doing this I love talking about movies I love hanging out with friends. I love eating fucking pizza. You know, like there, there are things that you just, you just hold on to. You just, you just do. Cause that's, that's how you survive. Not wrong. And it's cool to see Verdu. We get to see just his glimpse on the world. And after everything that's happened to him and everything he's done, of course, he's going to see this world as just, you know, kill or be killed. Yeah. But then the girl who's actually been through the ringer, she's been to prison. She's like, no, this world is worth fighting for. Like it's worth yeah. living in. And it kind of changes him. And from that moment on, he's kind of like, you know, he has some second thoughts and it's interesting. And then my final quote is his speech after he's being sentenced and he ends it with, nevertheless, upon leaving this spark of earthly existence, I have this to say, I shall see you all very soon. Mm. Like, <laughs> no one in this room is better than me. You're all going to hell with me. Yeah. <laughs> What a badass thing to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic because it's like it, 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 it is in that in that scene, you can feel that everyone is looking at him like judging him. How dare you? You're this piece of shit human being. You're you're going down. And he's like, well, if you think that way, then you must be going down, too. Yeah. If you really if you logically think that that's what's going to happen. Then, then I'll, I'll see. I'll see you soon. If you really think that's going to happen, <laughs> I'm a mass killer. But these governments that are bombing everybody on Earth—they're not mass killers. Like, how dare you judge me and not them? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a decent point. I mean, he is a serial killer, but you know, it's a decent point. No, I, I do. I, I, I love that's Chaplin. That's a trademark, as far as I uh, understand, is for him to just as ridiculous as this may be. Isn't this even more ridiculous? Yeah. Why do we have a double standard? He uses, why is it? Yeah. Why is it okay to, to bomb people, a whole nation? But if I kill a few, I'm, I'm a goddamn villain, but these people are heroes. 
that I, I love that. I love when he says that, you know, if you kill millions, you're a hero. If you kill a few, you're a villain. Like that's, that's fucking awesome. That's, that's some of the shit that's going to come up in movies forever. Yeah. He always used humor as a double-edged sword to kind of lull you into a false sense of security. Like, Oh, you're laughing, but here's what's really like, here's what I'm trying to talk about. He did that yeah. in all of his films. Um, except the circus. That was just blind fun. Yeah. Just a lot of fun. Yeah. I think the great dictator is the exact same way as at the ending. You know, the ending is when it punches you in the face. Oh, it's like, Hey, God, check it out. Check it out. This is what I'm really saying. Like you said, so good. Yeah. I, I almost chose that kind of exact bit of dialogue. Uh, but I actually, when it ended, I, I re rewound it to back to when he's with the priest talking before he's going to go get the sentencing execution, all this, all this jazz. Uh, it's, it's a bit of dialogue between uh, Verdu and, and the priest. So bear with me here. Um, uh, Henry Verdu says, ah, father, and what can I do for you? Priest says, nothing, my son. I want to help you if I can. I come to ask you to make your peace with God. Verdu says, I am at peace with God. My conflict is with man. Priest says, have you no remorse for your sin? Verdu says, who knows what sin is? Born as it was from God's fallen angel, who knows the ultimate destiny destiny it serves? After all, what would you be without doing any sin? Priest, exactly what I'm doing now, my son, trying to help you, a lost soul in distress. <laughs> Fucking, they're coming. Let me pray for you, Verdu says, as you wish, but I don't think these gentlemen want to be kept waiting. <laughs> and the priest says, may the Lord have mercy on your soul. And then Verdu finally says, to end this little bit of, bit of dialogue, he says, why not? After all, it belongs to him. <laughs> <laughs> so much to fucking gold in there. So much gold. Yeah. Every, every sentence just matters. Like It's that buildup, that layering on top of each other that distracts you, but also is just teaching you. It's just teaching you about these two individuals, teaching you about the philosophy of what the film is trying to say. And I, God, I love it. I love I love a good priest and, and man conversation in a movie where the priest is like, I'm doing something that's of great worth and I'm helping lost souls. <laughs> that, that kind of, that kind of egotistical way of thinking you're, you are the one helping, you're the person doing this, that only you, it's, it's really silly, really sad that you, you think that specifically you, that God's speaking through you. Come on, you know, come on. And Verdue's kind of fucking with him. But he's also, you know, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll have this conversation. But I, I love when he says, I don't, I don't think they want to be kept waiting. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a brilliant way of kind of taking it to this priest without being, without being a total fucking dick. He's basically saying like, yeah, I'll talk to God, cut out the middleman. Like, I don't need you. I'm about to meet him personally. I'll talk to him. Then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? After all, it belongs to him. <laughs> it's so good. I love I love that that chunk of the movie is so cool, uh, so cool, and some awesome shit being said. And then uh, what you picked right right after that, when he's just speaking about, are you fucking kidding me? You guys really think you're hot shit? I, I just love it. I think Charlie Chaplin's on a whole different fucking level uh, the last twenty minutes of this movie. The scene with the priest in, um, reminded me a lot of Angels with Dirty Faces. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's always nice to have a little throwback there. 
Mm-hmm. Angels and Dirty Faces, James Cagney. Awesome. Awesome movie. Not as good as a not as good as the movie we watched with it. Fucking White Heat. <laughs> I love White Heat. <laughs> oh yeah. Made it my top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> that movie was lights out. <laughs> so good, man. Uh, that was great. Tarantino. The, the the Tarantino award is 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 hot tonight. I think that was the toughest one to choose. I, I uh, of this bunch, just awesome shit. That 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 was uh, uh, for the story here, and then of course Chaplin's vision takes it to a different level. Uh, the Ennio Morricone Award. We have a we have a score written by our by our guy here. What'd you pick? I picked a moment that was quintessential quintessential Chaplin, and it's not score. It's a needle drop. Ah, I love uh, I love when a needle drop gets gets chosen instead of the score. I love that. It's early on in the film uh, when he's he's just killed like he's just killed a victim and he's waiting on the the money to get sent to him, and uh, he starts playing the piano, this super obnoxious classical, and a woman's knocking on the window, and he's not quite matching. Like, is that me or like what is that noise? And then he looks out and he's like, oh, because <laughs> that is pure silent film Chaplin right there. And it made mm. me realize, like, he's never, as many talkies as he does, as many dramatic pieces as he does, he is never going to forget where he came from. Mm-mm. And I like that a lot. That's really cool. That's like a kind of personal thing that you, you connect with. And as a fan of his, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have caught that till watching more of his stuff. I really like that. I love when a, I love when an Enyo Morricone gets gets given out to something really kind of subtle yeah and, and personal that's kind of what it's all about um mine as you can guess is a little bit more boring i chose the i chose the main title the main title when you start watching the film a lot of you know 30s 40s 50s movies just all right let's just fucking do this already jesus but <laughs> but but monsieur Verdoux, it actually it, it's actually a really cool piece of score it actually is a little bit different and does again. That's when I first felt like I was like, holy shit. I think I'm about to watch something that inspired people that I love. You know, I think it's, I really do bring up the Coens again. I really do think that the kind of ebbs and flows of this movie are kind of just in the DNA of that kind of shit. They're just, they're, they're just there. And there's at the beginning of, of this, of this piece, the main title, it kind of makes you believe it's going to be this kind of like grand thing. And then it drops, it drops and it gets kind of dark, gets a little evil. And you're like, Oh yes, I, this is where I want to be. This is, I'm in good hands. It's all, it's all good. And when a, when a main title can do that, the way that, you know, best of my love on Boogie Nights, the way that it just pulls you in. I, I love when that happens, especially when it's score and not a song from somebody else, you know, when it's, especially from Chaplin, the, 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 knowing that he was intentional with all that stuff too, is, is very cool. Well, even the opening narration, like, you know, my name is oh. Henri Verdoux and this is, you know, we all make mistakes and this is mine. I was right. Like it, it shot me right back to American beauty. You know, my name is Lester Burnham and in yep. just a few months I'll be dead. It, it all comes yep. back. It, everything comes from somewhere except Chaplin. He made this shit up. <laughs> Yeah, that that open narration, I almost chose that for my Tarantino because that is just holy shit. So many movies I love, they do they literally do that. Where it's a it's a voiceover. You know, fucking fight club. <laughs> like, 
well, that's what the, the movie is all about, that narration. It's lit- he's literally called the narrator. And you don't have that kind of storytelling unless it comes from somewhere, like you said. And Chaplin is seemingly just the source of all that shit. He's the, he's the source of all that dark, comedic, just awesome cinema. He, he, he's, he's one of the goats. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Good choice. Good shit. Good shit. I, I, I love a good Inyo. Uh, this next one's easy. I mean, what are we even doing here? Philip Seymour Hoffman, who won the movie? Gee, I wonder if it was Mr. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. The uh, writer, director, producer, composer, star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think Chaplin uh I think Chaplin is deserving of the Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh definitely the best performance. Definitely won the movie. It's not really a contest. It's pretty crazy that, you know, his career essentially started in like as a you know filmmaker in like 1914. And yeah. here we are. 33 years later and he still has this manic energy about him that is kind of synonymous with charlie chaplin you know just this like i I haven't looked it up but my grandpa is convinced that he was like a judo master from all the flips he was able to just you know randomly do in his films yeah and the guy the guy physically he just bounce around like he just gets right back up and just yeah the dedication is so cool He's like, especially in his early years, he's like a fucking Looney Tune come to life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was watching the rink, I was just like, this, this is that shit that I've heard about. <laughs> oh, just his roller skating around. Like he was very skilled. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, he's like an athlete. He's like an athletic, weird nerd, fucking control freak. <laughs> like, he's just incredible. He's so fascinating. And, and uh, I, I, we'd be silly. Uh, we've gone all this way. How good is Robert Downey Jr. playing oh. Chaplin? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 1992's Chaplin. Uh, underrated film. Doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, it's got an unbelievably impressive cast playing just figures from throughout Chaplin's life. And Downey, in like the midst of his just, you know, crazy drug problem, is chaplin and he delivers an unbelievable performance that's so layered and impressive he you know he plays the ego he plays the tortured soul he plays the the clown all pieces of this very complex human being and he did get an oscar nomination uh lost to al pacino Hoo-ah! and yeah. uh, <laughs> i think it's a film that needs to be revisited i i, I would like to watch it i, I have it on yeah. blu-ray i should just put it on yeah yeah that's how you let me borrow it uh one day and i i got to watch it and I thought it was incredible. It's one of the best things RDJ has ever done. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously he's, he's pretty damn good as Iron Man, but when it comes to just impressive performances, Chaplin's right up there at the top for him. Uh, re- really cool movie. And it's really cool to, to see, to see that kind of come to life in a, in a newer age movie, you know, you, you get to see things in a just totally different perspective and, Everything is bright and vibrant, and it's cool. It's just cool to see. I love a good biopic about someone that's massive in the movie industry. Well, I love a good biopic about somebody who's very near and dear to my heart, and that, that that's too. exciting. That's a good double whammy. Yeah, yeah. It's not just, you know, it's not just uh, this guy who's huge to what we love. He's also someone you're a big fan of and have been a big fan of. So, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, last award here, the Deacons. Tough shit. This is really tough. There's some 
there's some banger scenes in this movie that are just totally worth the the two hour runtime. Totally worth it. Uh, what'd, what'd you pick, man? Um, before I do mine, I do ha- I have an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, it's not a full scene. It's it's a little moment that I picked up on that I wanted to bring up because it was it was so great. It was when he's planning to poison the girl who he picked up on the street and was like, you know, just going to test this poison. And she starts talking about life. And yep. all of a sudden he switches her glass and doesn't give her the poison. And there's this moment where he's chuckling to himself. Like, why did I do that? Like, was it, what is it about this girl that made me do that? Like what he, he you can tell that he's like wrestling with himself there. And it was all just a little, a slight chuckle. That's all it was. But you caught all of that in the chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just so good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just, I wanted to bring that up. It was. Yeah. No, brilliant touch. Uh, <laughs> that scene is great. Cause that's the, that's that undeniable when someone comes into your life and you just can't, you can't put your finger on, man, why am I gravitating towards this person? What is it? And why do I want them to do well? <laughs> this murderer who's killed like 13 women and at least one cop that we know of mm. is like, there's some about you. I don't want you to leave this earth. It's a better place with you in it. Like he yeah. has that fight in himself and he doesn't know why. And that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like there's still a soul in that man. It, mm-hmm. ah, Jesus. Ah. Um, so for, <laughs> for my official deacons, um, I did have for the longest time the scene where he runs into his ex at the wedding and is just escaping Ugh. from her the whole time. But I changed it because there's another scene in this film that just has me laughing so much harder. And it's the scene where he thinks he's poisoned himself. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he drank the wine and he just is like, <gasps> like starts completely panicking. And it's like, oh, like walking around like a fainting like 40s, you know, housewife. And he tells the woman, like, call my wife. And she's like, I'm right here. (laughs) He just the character drops and he's immediately like, I'm gonna die. (laughs) It's all it's all over for me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just the circumstances that led to that happening, you know, the maid dropping the bottle and refilling it, and him putting the wrong shit in the wine, and him switching the cups, and him just mm-hmm. looking at her like, why aren't you dead yet? <laughs> it's it's such a great scene. God, what a great shout. And I'm sure that's tough for you, right? Because you're, you're just laughing left and right, you know? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, you, you touched on my scene earlier in your Tarantino. My favorite scene of the movie is... is uh, <laughs> Is the one that also made me laugh the hardest, <laughs> and that's when they're in the boat, and he's he's got he's got the lasso, and what are you gonna do with that? Oh, I'm gonna lasso the fish. You can't lasso a fish, <laughs> and it, she keeps kind of turning, and he wants to fucking put that shit around her and strangle her, and the yodeler, <laughs> she's like, "What's that?" And he goes. A yodeler. <laughs> the way he, the way he said, the way he says it, like it just fucking ruined his whole goddamn day. This stupid yodeler. <laughs> I love that so much. It could have been anybody, and you can hear the yodeler in the background, kind of like. <laughs> it's really silly. It's a really silly scene, but it's, but it's perfect. It's executed like fucking magic. That whole, that whole bit is had me on, like had me in tears. 
uh, and then of, of course it's like an hour and a half in but like a, a lot of the stuff that leads up to that where you know this guy's just just a fucking serial killer and you're watching him <laughs> the lengths he's going to and what he's doing with that that lasso is just hilarious and you add this the only outside person is this fucking yodeler <laughs> I, I love i love that i because we see that a lot in dark humor we've seen that for for decades now and I, I i didn't quite ever know who to give credit to ah. and i think I, I think i found it here um i love that shit i love when i think my favorite tv show of all times it's always sunny it's always sunny fucking thrives off that that exact effect of just what is this you know and you just you just run with it you just go you just continue doing whatever it is, even if it's, even if the, the intentions are bad, that's hilarious for TV and movie. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I had a hard time choosing between something like this. That's really funny. And just straight up the finale, the end of the movie is just so damn good and kind of, kind of punches you in the gut. Uh, this movie's awesome. Uh, when a Deacons can go multiple places, you know, you have a good movie. Uh, I can't wait to re. I can't wait to rewatch it at some point. Uh, right now, it stands at a solid eight for me, close to a nine. It's just it, it, it's an awesome movie. I really like it. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, this is definitely a solid eight for me too. Uh, I've seen a lot of his work. A lot of his stuff is you know considerably funnier, and that's just. I mean, this guy, you know, his the standards I hold for Chaplin are really really high because <laughs> he's made me laugh harder than maybe anybody mm. uh, but i yeah i do like this movie and it is a fairly recent discovery so it it could go up it's yeah yeah, yeah it has that potential yeah for sure uh <laughs> yeah it's a this was a fun one i i always enjoy doing chaplin and uh it's cool that he's one of the few directors we've covered twice yeah yeah, no, it's it just, it's very rare. We, we do that intentionally. We like to cover a lot of different people, different filmmakers, different screen, you know, different writers, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, we, we want to tackle, you know, again, you know, like Tarantino is going to come off, you know, again, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Spike Lee, uh, the Coens, you know, we talked, obviously talked about a bunch today. Hitch fucking Hitchcock, you know, these guys that are just, they're just around and they're fun to talk about. They have really, you know, lively filmographies that are still just in, they're just in the pop culture today. And, and we like, we like talking about those people and Tra- Chaplin's uh, a guy who I don't think a lot of people our age know a lot about, but it, no. it, 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 that, that, that should fucking change. It should change. This guy's shit should never die. It should never go away. It should always live on and go from generation to generation because he's the fucking man. And I love being able to kind of celebrate these kind of guys, you know? Uh, yeah. Especially when it's someone that you just straight up introduced me to and said, hey, no, the hype is the hype is legit. <laughs> <laughs> the, hype, the hype is real. You should believe it. I think it's just so far, it's, it's Peter Weir, Barry Jenkins, and Charlie Chaplin. I think that's it, right? Off the top of my head, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did uh, Beale Street and Moonlight. We did, yeah, we did Dead Poets and uh, Truman Show, and here we are, Great Dictator and Monsieur Verdoux. Uh, That's cool. Yeah I, that, yeah, I think that is it. That's, that, that, is, that is really cool. I, I, I like that a lot, I think. 
there's something to say. There's something to say about wanting to revisit somebody. Yeah. And check, check something out again. Uh, next week, next week, uh, boy, 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 am I excited. This is, this has been circled from the beginning, from the beginning of doing this show. This is one of those movies that I, I want to watch for this show. I'm going to fucking buy it for this show. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get the nicest fucking version I can find. <laughs> uh, and then when we did, when we did Hamlet, the episode on Hamlet, 1948, it just was like, yeah, that's happening. That's, that's fucking happening. And that's because Olivia de Halen stole our hearts and we're going to, we're going to fucking rock with her next week and talk about the heiress from 1949. Awesome movie that I, I've heard great things about. And it's got tons of nominations four wins. So we're going to have a lot of shit to talk about next week, but Olivia de Hayland is, is the one that I kind of want to just give a special shout out to next week and really, really kind of go into this movie and kind of her career and what she means to the Oscars, what she means to movies and what she means to us now is she's, she's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be interesting. I know absolutely nothing about this movie. I've deliberately kept myself in the dark because I know that this has been on the short list for a long time. Uh, she's an actress. I pretty much discovered with uh, the snake pit. And yeah. Yeah. We, we owe Oscar Sunday that. And, yeah. and, and what I wish I would have, you know, I wish I would have had the relationship now that I have with her as a performer because she passed away about a year ago yeah. uh, at 104 years old. Uh, born in born in fucking Tokyo, died in Paris, and everything in between. She was just she's fucking lightning in a bottle on the screen. She's she's incredible, and I I, I cannot wait, man. The heiress is uh, a lot of times I read that that's her best stuff is in that movie, so I can't wait. Yeah, gonna be a blast. Oh, and it's uh, and it's fucking it's fucking Billy Wilder, so you know. Oh, there uh, you go. Yeah, we haven't. Not, not, it, that'll make him another director we've done twice, right? He did the apartment. Yes. Yeah, we're going to enter. We're going to he he you have to fucking do him twice if you're doing old movies cuz he's just <laughs> he's fucking everywhere. Every everywhere you look, William Wyler is there <laughs> in the in the old school uh academy stuff. He's just going to pop up. <sighs> it's going to be a good one next week. I love I love being in the 40s. This is all just mostly, you know, discovery and and whole new appreciation when we get to do old decades like this uh fantastic hell um, yeah I, again again uh, listeners out there monster verdues on hbo max and criterion check it out there's a lot of chaplain stuff on there on both those uh both those services and uh, the heiress i actually think it might is it on something right now let me look that up real quick if listeners want to try to check that one out with us uh no i don't see anything yeah, we think both you had could, to buy you gotta, a DVD for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it, yeah, yeah. Try try to find it if you can. Come back next week with us because it's gonna be a blast. But I know that we talked a lot about the landscape of movies, you know, today and yesterday and years ago, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, sneak preview, obviously, specializes in that. What's happening tomorrow? Tomorrow we will be tackling three releases. Uh, we have Green Knight, we have Jungle Cruise, and we have Stillwater. Uh, looking like Jungle Cruise will be our primary focus. Uh, it's time to have some goddamn fun once in a while. <laughs> uh, Hell yeah! 
yeah, it's either, you know, bleak Arthurian movie or Matt Damon's daughter on trial for murder. So let's have fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, then this week on Filmgasm, uh, Caleb and I are tackling the butterfly effect. A personal nice is uh, Ashton Kutcher sci-fi drama. Fairly underappreciated, I think. Uh, I've only seen it once, but I remember enjoying it. Uh, and I also would like to point out that a lot of Charlie Chaplin's short films, especially because they're so old, are all over YouTube. So if you don't want to pay for HBO Max and you want to check out Charlie Chaplin, you can go to YouTube and find almost all of his early work. Hell yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, this was awesome. Always enjoy tackling a filmmaker who's very personal to me. And uh, we'll see you next week.